Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 12 of season two of the Runner Rams podcast. As always, I'm Gavin Bishow. And I'm Colin Struckman. And today we look over URI's disastrous loss against George Washington, their close win versus LaSalle. There's an overall bad week for the Rams. And we look forward to a very big one as they take on Richmond and they go on the road to take on the Dayton Flyers. We got a lot to get into, so let's get into it. Karan Iverson clears it. Iverson gets away from the defense, dribbles into the forecourt. Iverson going up. He dunks it home as the buzzer's found. And Rody, the 8-10 champs. With four. Oda, 30 feet away. Jumper in the air. He's got it. has won it for Rhode Island. Seconds left to the corner. Shot for three by Stan. Terrell down to eight seconds. Got to go right. In traffic, off-balance shot. Thank you! Jared Terrell! And for the first time since 2009, it's Rhode Island over Providence with the Ocean State Band. Oh, wow. Terrell from outside. Kingston, he puts it in! First and foremost, I want to give a shout out to our social medias on Twitter and Instagram. For Twitter, it's at RunningRamsPod, and on Instagram, it's at Running.Rams.Pod. Check us out there. We release our podcast links for Anchor, Spotify, all of that there as well. We also live tweet games, post our podcast dates. So just be more informed on the podcast. Give those a follow. Help us out a lot. So Colin, the Rams started the week taking on the LaSalle Explorers at home in a, in a what we call easy slate of your schedule. You have LaSalle, George Washington, both at the bottom of the conference. But starting with LaSalle, I mean, the game started off in the Rams' favor, up 7-2 to two after a plethora of bad LaSalle offensive possessions. But after tying it up at 7, LaSalle gained control and cruised through the rest of the first half, taking a lead as large as 12, and the Explorers led by 8. 35-27 at the break. Luckily, the Rams got things turned around in the locker room, starting the second half on a 10-2 run to tie the game up at 37. From there, Colin was a back-and-forth affair. Missed free throws and poor rebounding, especially on the defensive end from Rody, were catalysts in keeping LaSalle in this one. It was the Rams, though, guided by making their last six free throw attempts and the Ishmael Leggett circus layup with 23 seconds to go to get the Rams by the upset-minded Explorers, 56-54. to 54. Both Mitchell Twins tallied for 10 points, while off the bench, Jalen Carey had 7 points, and Antoine had 6 points and 9 rebounds. For LaSalle, it was Clifton Moore with 10 points, and Jack Clark with 9 points and 9 rebounds. Yeah, I mean, definitely not the, the sharpest win of the season for the Rams here against LaSalle, but they still got the job done. They, they played a lot better in the second half than they did the first half. And, I mean, to me, Rody has size, but it, it hasn't seemed lately, I guess. They, they haven't found a way to just pull through or dominate these games with, with their bigs. I mean, they, they have some of the best in the conference. I mean, statistically, it feels like with how well they play defensively, with how many rebounds they grab per game, they just can't stay out of foul trouble. And that, that kind of kills them. We've seen that so many times, free throws they struggle with. Um, you know, I just think overall as a team, Rhode Island needs more consistency offensively. I think defensively, they've been very strong this season. I think that's been their their main strength overall, as we, we've talked about several times throughout the season. But just need to limit those untimely errors. And we saw a lot 
in this game where they just kept giving LaSalle chances at the end, but thankfully they hold on, you know, in the last second there, but you know, those, those mistakes add up and it almost cost them in this game. And, and that would have been a big loss definitely, but they pulled it out and, and you know, just a, a sloppy game overall on both sides. Definitely. With you. Definitely agree with you there, Colin, um, you know, starting three for 16 from the free throw line, you know, is never going to help you out. I mean, it, it was really a surprise. I mean, this is a Rhode Island team as much as we've in the past bashed their free throw shooting in the history back when Dan Hurley was coaching, how they can never hit a clutch free throw or they can never seal a deal with free throws. I mean, this is a team that's shooting 70% from the free throw line going into this game, right? That's like, that's average. I say maybe a little below average, but for a URI fan, I'll take 70% every single day of the week. I think it's about average if you look at the numbers, but 70%. And then you come out shooting three for 16. It's like, all right, it might not be their night, but like, come on, three for 16. Luckily, they ended up hitting six of their last six, helped them to get that victory in a game which every point was needed. And as you said, not pretty, but the win is a win. I mean, the Rams not only played poorly on the offensive side of the ball from the free throw line, but also from three, which is a common theme of the week. Uh, another takeaway from the game, uh, the Rams got to get back to boxing out and asserting their dominance on the glass. Like you said, we have these big guys, but they're not doing what we need them to do. The Rams lit up 14 offensive rebounds, which the Sal got more looks on possessions, especially the final possession, which almost gave me a heart attack. They had three or four shots. They had two or three offensive rebounds, and they almost won the game because of that, because the Rams couldn't get a defensive rebound. So that almost lost them the game there, and it needs to improve if they want to start winning games against good ball teams at the conference. And finally, take away a good thing, though. Jalen Carey is continuing to pr- improve off the bench and looking to be a key role player for this Rhodey team. We saw him take a big step against UMass. Again, comes off the bench, provides nine points for the Rams. And check that. I think it's seven. Yeah, seven points for the Rams. And Honestly, I mean, this is we're seeing a lot better for Jalen Carey than last year, right? Last year was out of control, taking shots he really didn't need to take. He had a good jumper, but he just took too many of them. I feel like he's taking a low percentage of shot of quality shots. He's not turning the ball over nearly as much as he is. Like, now, look, as I praise him for not turning the ball over, Mike, he had five turnovers against Richmond on Tuesday? Maybe. But what I'm saying is, you know, he's holding on to the ball. He's making smarter choices. And I feel like coming off the bench, he has that that indecisiveness or not as much confidence. And of course you want to have confidence, but not that, you know, overly confident. Like I can do, I can dribble through defenders. I can do this. I'm super athletic. He, he has, he's a humbled a little bit and he knows the take. And he knows his role. So as that's continuing to expand, I feel like he's scoring more and more and helping this team out more and more. So that's a big takeaway from that game as well. Yeah. I mean, and, and you mentioned his role and it's crazy how that's changed. I mean, we thought he was going to be, one of the top scorers last season. He he started in the beginning of the year last year as a guard, and now he's kind of that bench role player and one of those extra guards. You know, he's that fourth guy behind Ishmael Leckett, behind Jeremy Shepard, Ish Element. He's kind of that fourth pair down the line for guard play, but he's he's played well in that role, and obviously he could have a bad game with some turnovers, as you mentioned, but we haven't really seen that so far, and it's been a, a pleasant surprise. And if you can have him shoot – as well as he can and be a factor on offense, then it just helps Rhodey's depth. And it can only be a positive thing. All right, Colin, anything else for this one? I wouldn't think so. I mean, I feel like Ishmael Liggett, I, I can't remember a bigger shot than that one. I don't know if I you mean, can. Yeah, but... tough layup. I mean, inside, he's he makes something out of nothing. 
I mean, he really sometimes does. he drives the lane with two people on him, and you're like, all right, why did you take that? Well, it's because half the time he makes he makes it. I mean, up and under, is like a fast Russell kind of, but I feel like his size deceives you, right? And you think, oh, it's a 6'2", 6'3", guard, but like he's got a solid frame, and he gets to the lane. He definitely does. Not that won them the game. So that was that was huge. Yeah, a definitely most needed win for the Rams to try to get some momentum going to take on the George Washington Colonials, who were last in the conference as of Saturday afternoon. As the Rams came off the shaky win versus a pretty bad LaSalle team, you would think the Rams would come out firing, right? Well, they did and then did not. Let's start with the first half, and it's always good to start a game up 18 to three halfway through the first half. Uh, and, and that's where the Rams we're, we're now let's be grant. Let's put this into, you know, let's paint with a broad brush here. George Washington scored three points in 10 minutes. Now, no team scores three points in 10 minutes. They were not hitting a shot for their life. They would turn the ball over at will. And so being up 18, three was great. And, you know, George Washington couldn't throw an anchor in the ocean that they were on a boat, basically. So as George Washington started to hit shots and get in a little bit uh, of a groove, the Rams did not quarrel. I mean, in the first half, at least, the Rams led by eight at the break, 33 to 25. And I remember talking to my dad, and he was like, oh, it's too close. I'm like, well, let's, let's, let's see what George Washington's done. They literally missed every single shot in the first 10 minutes besides one. So you know they're going to heat up. And, and you were right kind of combated that. They got down to seven, down, down to six. You were right brought it back to eight, to nine, couple and ones, couple threes. So that got him back into the um, to maintain that lead of eight points. And, you know, I think it was a solid first half for the Rams. And the second half started in favor of the Rams as well. The two teams were just trading baskets essentially for about seven minutes or so. And then after the Antoine layup to make the score 47-38 uh, lead for the Rams, this is where things went downhill. It was a quick 10-0 run that put George Washington in the lead for the first time all day, and the nerves began to set in. No team could get a grip as George Washington was settling for crazy turnaround and setback jumpers that actually worked some the time, while the Rams continued to struggle from the free throw line and went ice cold from the field. The Rams had a chance to tie the game up, down one with 44 seconds left, but Jeremy Shepard missed the back half of his second free throw attempt. Down one, the Rams forced a shot clock violation, and retained possession with 13 seconds left in the ballgame. About to run their play, Shepard dribbled hard toward the right wing and slipped and fell on the ground. He left the ball for George Washington to recover with five seconds left, and the Rams fouled right away. Quanti Samuels for George Washington made his first, missed his second. As Ish Elaming grabbed the rebound, he sprinted up court and shot a potential three-point game winner, and it rattled out for three. And the Colonials upset the Rams 63-61 in a brutal loss column. Shepard finished with 12 points for the Rams. And Ish Leggett had a solid 11-point and 9-rebound performance despite going 2-for-9 from the field. The Colonials were led by Hunter Dean and James Bishop, who each scored 15 points. I mean, it feels like when, when the Rams lose a game like, like this, you're just at a loss for words. I mean, you see that final score, and it's like, how the hell did that just happen? How, how did they play 40 minutes of basketball and lose by two to, to a bad team like that? And I think they, they played with fire in that LaSalle game with, with how many untimely mistakes they made in the, the late stages of that game, but they thankfully got away with it, but it ended up costing them in this game against George Washington. No disciplined basketball. They were discombobulated on offense, couldn't find that rhythm. 
And it's frustrating that this team, they have so much talent. They, they've built a lot of chemistry from last season, you know, considering how many transfers are on this team, but they keep shooting themselves in the foot. They can't put together a consistent 40 minutes of basketball on a nightly basis. They have talented players individually, but just can't quite seem to put all the pieces together consistently. I, I think we've seen it a handful of times, but we haven't seen it each and every game. And, and that's what can separate them from the rest of the pack in the A-10. So, I mean, if you can find a way to do that, they're, they're a really talented team. But when they don't, you see performances like this. Yeah, I mean, first off, let's say for what it is. I mean, the Rams' day from the field, it, it was not their day, right? And, and that happens. I mean, they had good looks from three. They went two for 19. They, they just didn't fall. And, and they weren't bad shots. They were taking high-quality shots that were open. And you can see uh, Ishmael Leggett called them mental lapses because him and Ish Elliman both had good looks and – they just couldn't get them to fall. And, you know, again, at the end of the day, it, it shouldn't have been a factor, right, in this one when you lose by two and you miss 16 free throws, right? The Mitchell Twins did not have their day from the free throw line. The Rams went 15 for 31 from the free throw line. 13 of their 16 misses came from Makai and Mikkel, and including a disastrous two for 12 performance uh, from the line from Makai Mitchell. So, you know, if they make half their shots, the Rams would win this one pretty comfortably by six, eight points. And it's one of those things where as much as you want to like count them out, oh, they're bad free throw shooters. At times, they look like solid free throw shooters, right? Uh, the, the Mitchell Twins, they're very inconsistent. They're very shaky. And once they, once they miss a couple, they all miss. Once they make a couple, they all go in. It's a whole confidence thing, I think, in my opinion. You know, they either go five for six or seven for eight, or they go like two for 12. Once they lose that confidence, it's really hard for them to gain it back because everyone else around them has lost that confidence. The fans lose their confidence when they start missing shots. It's already low. So I think that's a definite problem uh, for the Mitchell Twins. And, I mean, what's good is that they've shown that they can make them. They just got to do it at a consistent level. And I think that's the main factor in this one because, again, just because the Rams shot 43% and 10% from three, they still should have won that game against the George Washington team. They just couldn't hit a free throw. So, and finally, you know, Tuesday, it's going to be a proven game. And the Rams at least need to show some improvement from the charity charity stripe and on the glass because it's a big one against Richmond. They're almost top, in, uh, they're not top of the conference. They're right behind Rhode Island. But, you know, they've lost some really good teams. They lost, you know, a close one to Davidson. And, and, you know, it's going to be a big game on Tuesday because the Rams come back off a loss against George Washington, see how David Cox rallies the troops, and hopefully he can get a win on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, the the whole free throw thing to me, it, it, it's a mind block. But at the same time, Jerry, I, what, one thing I, I, I like that I, I wanted to bring up as we as we wrap up this game is Jeremy Shepard taking that time on the court and practicing his free throws after they lose that game. That, that was, I think, an emotional loss in some ways. It, it was kind of a damaging, devastating loss. He, he knows he had to make those at the end of the game. He's going to feel like he let his team down. But, I mean, he, he's been he's been a great player since he came here. And, and, you know, just a couple of missed free throws I don't think should dictate anything for his career. And he's a tenacious player. He's going to get better at that. He, he really has been. I mean, that's the only time I feel like he's, he's really missed free throws that were critical in a game. I mean, he's going to be better next time in this situation. Obviously, you didn't want to lose this game where you have to then play Richmond and Dayton, which are two big games. But 
it's almost like you look at it from the other angle. Now they're hungry for this next game. They realize they drop a game they shouldn't have lost. Now they have that extra fire under them. So we'll see if that kind of plays a factor in this next one against Richmond. Kyle, you're going to have to grab one that they shouldn't really get that they already counted out. And I totally agree with you there. And how do I say this? This is a game that the Rams really need, I believe. If they can come back and beat Richmond, all my faith is restored. I don't even care about the George Washington loss if they can beat Richmond just because they're a pesky team. I'm not saying they're the best in the A-10, but to bounce back and beat a team like Richmond would be massive for the Rams. And that's all I'm focused on right now is their matchup Tuesday night against the Spiders. I mean, that GW game, you know, I put it behind me if they can win on Tuesday night. And the, the, let's be honest, this URI team, they're not getting an at-large bid. You know, in years past, we've always been like, you know, you can't lose that game because they can lose the chance of getting an at-large bid. No, 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 no. If you want to have a clear mind, if you want to feel better about yourself as a URI fan after that George Washington game, cut the at-large bid out of the window. All right? This team is not getting at-large bid. I mean, the, my analogy, the A-10 is like the Rams NFL. All right. They got to win games. They got to get a solid seed and the Super Bowl for them. It's not the Marsh Madness tournament. It's the A-10 championship. They got to focus one game at a time in their conference. because That's all that matters right now. That's how they're going to win games. That's how they're going to try to make it to the NCAA tournament. And that's winning the Super Bowl. That's winning the A-10 championship. So as of right now, George Washington, that's behind. You got to work on winning games. Move your way up the A-10 standings. Hopefully you can get a double buy, if not at least a single buy. And then give you yourself a good opportunity and a good look at the A10 championship, which is your Super Bowl, to hopefully make it to the Mecca and to the NCAA tournament. So it all starts Tuesday at 6:30 p.m. as the Rams host the Spiders in what should be a packed Ryan Center with students back on campus. The 12 and 7 Spiders, led by head coach Chris Mooney, sit at seventh place in the Atlantic 10 at three and three. One of those losses being a 27-point blowout at home versus St. Joe's. In the non-conference, the Spiders beat teams such as Northern Iowa and NC State. The Richmond eight-leggers are led by a big three featuring forwards Tyler Burton, an eighth-year senior Grant Golden, as well as fifth-year senior guard Jacob Gilliard. 6'7", Burton leads the bunch with 17 points and seven rebounds. A game, Golden averages 15 points and six rebounds, shooting at a 51% clip from the field. And Gilliard, the all-time steals leader in the NCAA, in the history of NCAA, Averages 12.3 points, six assists, and three and a half steals a game. Other notables for the Spiders are Nathan K.O. and Nick Sherrod. And I like the word you used to describe them, pesky. That's that's definitely right. I mean, this team, they've had their, their fair share of ups and downs this season, but they are still a threat in the 8-10. They're one of the scariest teams in the conference. When they have guys that have been there forever, like Gilliard and Golden, they, they know how this conference operates. They know how to uh, positively impact this Richmond team offensively and defensively. Gilliard's been the best two-way player in the conference for a couple of years now. So this Richmond team has, has some veterans. They have some young guys. They have a balanced mix. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they make a run for the tournament. I, I, I wouldn't at all. I mean, they're, they're a deep team. And this is, a, this is a tough matchup coming up at the Ryan Center. Yeah, one thing the Spiders have, they're very experienced. I mean, Nathan Ko, Nick Sherrod, they've all been on the team for three-plus years. Grant Golden, Jacob Gilliard. I mean, both fifth-year seniors. I said Golden's been an eighth-year senior. I feel like he's been there forever, ever since he tried to purposely hurt E.C. Matthews, and we were all yelling at him at the Ryan Center on a whiteout matchup a few years back. 
And then their best player is the only player that doesn't have experience, right? So this team that's super experienced and their best player, all right, he's a sophomore, but he still averages 17 and a half and seven rebounds. So he's, again, really good player in Tyler Burton, but my keys to victory, it's like a, duh, make free throws, right? It's just the, it's just the easiest way to get your confidence back especially after the George Washington game, if you can give not only confidence to yourself, but the fans, because you should have heard the fans, the moans, the groans on Saturday afternoon. It was like, it, it was like someone shot their grandmother in front of them. It was terrible. <laughs> like they were, it was blasphemy. And not to mention that whenever you were, I hit a free throw, they were going nuts because that doesn't happen. They're like joking around with them, but yeah, you, you make your free throws against a team like Richmond who scores a lot on offense. You guys can have their hands fall on defense you got to hammer the glass. I mean, the Rams have struggled the past few games on the defensive glass, and this Richmond team ranks 324th in the nation in rebounding despite having Burton and Golden. I think the Rams can control the game and run at their pace if they limit second chances for Richmond and run in transition, which is something that we haven't seen from the Rams in a while. They got to limit turnovers. Like you said, and I said for they're pesky. The Richmond Spiders are pesky. The Rams have done a solid job over the past few weeks in limiting turnovers, but they are playing a team that ranks 45th in the nation in steals and likes to be aggressive on defense. Finally, this is like a mojo thing. You got to play with swagger, play with confidence, brush off the George Washington game. It was full of quote-unquote mental lapses, like I said before, from Ishmael Leggett, and you have to move on. You will have a great crowd that evening, and with students back on campus, the Ryan Center will be loud and rocking. You got to embrace the energy, play loose, and play with confidence. This feels like the the first like big game at the Ryan Center in a while. I mean, they didn't have fans at all last season. It it and there hasn't really been a huge game at home where it, where it's been kind of packed so far. So I mean, th- this is a big game. It, it should be packed. If it's not, I mean, that, that might be a little disappointing. But it should definitely be. Um, I mean, for me, you have to make free throws, as you said. That costs them. That game against George Washington. Ura has to shoot at a high clip at that free throw line. I, I mean, no lower than 70%. It feels like if you're lower than that, then it's going to be tough to win this game. And then don't force a three-point shot. If it's if it's not there, don't take it. They went two for 19 for 10.5% against George Washington. That's atrocious. I'd rather have them take far less threes. They're, they're, they're going to be better off if they take the open shots, even if they're not taking a ton of of threes, I think that's fine because they're not a, a great three-point shooting team anyway. So, so I think if they can limit those shots, they, they should be in pretty decent shape. I definitely agree with you with the, the crowd. I mean, looking back, last year you had COVID. This year you haven't really had a big game. And yeah. These players, Malik Martin, Makai Mitchell, Mikel Mitchell, Ishmael Leggett, Jeremy Shepard, basically the whole team has never played besides Antoine Walker. Basically, yeah, besides Antoine Walker, has never played in a big Ryan Center home game. They just haven't. They they don't know that experience yet. And we'll see how they, hopefully they adjust well to it. I hope they take that crowd in and I hope they learn what Redown basketball is all about when they bring a a good team into the Ryan center, because the place gets really loud. And, you know, I I think that if they can embrace it and feed off that energy, that's going to help them a lot on Tuesday night. So again, that gives a six thirty tip on CBS sports network. Now the Rams, another first, the Rams hit the road for their first Friday 10 of the year as they go to UD Arena to take on the Flyers of Dayton. The Rams' last victory at the UD Arena came back in 2019 with overtime heroics from Fast Russell to upset the Flyers, which sparked a six-game win streak and an appearance to the A 
10 semifinals. The Flyers are led by fifth-year head coach Anthony Grant and currently sit at fourth in the Atlantic 10 at 4-2 and two and are currently 12-7 and seven overall. The Flyers play Tuesday night versus the Fordham Rams at home, so there's one game between that and their matchup Friday night against the Rhode Island Rams. One little tidbit is that as good as the atmosphere is at UD Arena, the Flyers are 7-4 at home, dropping three early losses to UMass Lowell, Austin Pay, and Lipscomb, as well as a buzzer-beater defeat versus BCU. So they've obviously had their woes at home. I know those were earlier in the year, and they turned it around, beat Kansas, beat Belmont, beat Miami. They ended up losing, I think, their first or second game in the Atlantic 10 at home after a three ball from VCU with time expiring or close to time expiring to lose by one. So they had had their, had had their struggles at home. The flyers are led by some freshman phenoms though. And that's in forward Duran Holmes, who's averaging 11 points and five and a half rebounds and guard Malachi Smith, who's averaging 10 points, five assists and four rebounds, shooting 37% from three. Other notables include Georgia transfer Tumani Kamara, Mustafa Amzil, and Kobe Bray, who put in a solid 20-point effort a week ago for St. Bonaventure. I mean, we talked about it before, how this is one of the toughest two-game stretches of the year for the Rams. I mean, these are two incredibly tough matchups. I mean, you're hoping for a split. If they somehow sweep these two games, I mean, we're going to be all over them, but it really, it really depends on what happens in these two games, but you're right. They're going to be thrown into the fire. You talked about the atmosphere at UD arena. It's, it's never easy to win there. It kind of, I mean, this year there's been some circumstances, but I think they've turned it around since then with those, those big wins down in Florida in that tournament. So you're playing in, in one of the loudest places in the A-10 and, and historically they, they haven't done well there. We saw it in 2020 when when Dayton worked them in the first half. Obi Toppin was dunking all over the place. A horrific game. So if you are as another game like that at UD Arena, it's it's not going to look good for them. Yeah, and one of my keys to start off right now is composure. Composure will be key for the Rams. The UD UD Arena is a loud atmosphere that has been really tough place uh, for the Rams to play. At, so the Rams must try to ma- they have to match the intensity of the Flyers crowd on the court. They have to play aggressive and play hungry to match that, you know, the, the energy that the loud fans for Dayton, what they bring to the at uh, the stadium every single game. And one thing that goes with having a loud atmosphere is having an unbelievable defense. I mean, their, their, their defense, the Flyers defense is one of the best in the nation. They hold opponents to only 60. 60- 1.2 points per game, which ranks 23rd among defenses, and they hold opponents to only 29 rebounds a game, which ranks fifth in the nation. The Rams have to not only make their presence on the glass felt, but also be able to stretch the offense, limit turnovers, and make shots all over the court. They can't focus on trying to hammer it down low or fire it from deep. They got to be a little bit of a mixture. There's got to be a happy medium because the only way to get this Dayton Flyers defense moving is to stretch the court and be dangerous all over. So that's a big key for the road of the offense. And I know I sound like a broken record, but you have to be able to make your freebies, especially against Dayton, where points will be uh, points will come at a premium. And the Rams must take advantage at the charity stripe or else things could get ugly in Ohio on Friday night. Yeah, it's similar what's what you know you said earlier about composure, getting off to a fast start. Rhode Island has to withstand Dayton's punches early and respond quickly if they fall behind and then rebounding. Dayton has great bigs like Omzeal, but Rhodey can easily counter. 
where they have the Mitchells, they have Antoine Walker, who have each had pretty decent seasons themselves. They have to crash the glass for second chance points every time Rudy misses a shot. You can't have Dayton cleaning up all the boards and then stretching the floor because it's going to be a long night if that happens. So that game's a 7 p.m. tip on ESPN2 at the UD Arena. So again, Con, big week for the Rams. If they can somehow manage to go 2-0, I mean, we're back, baby. But 1-1 one one would be solid. And I would rather, if I'm being honest, I'd rather have the win on Tuesday at home in front of a crowd, get the fans pumped back up. And I'll take a close loss to UD uh, to, to Dayton on Friday night. But if they can somehow go 2-0, that would be unbelievable. Probably not likely to be God take one out of this week, no matter what. So with that, we'll head to our look around the A-10. Starting last Tuesday night, we recorded the podcast, and we had a couple scores come in. Not all of them, though. So January 18th, of course, we had Dayton beat St. Bonaventure. We announced that live on the show, 68-50. Davidson squeaked one out at the Siegel Center, 63-61 over the VCU Rams. And Richmond took care of business in the Bronx. They defeated the Fordham Rams by 13. On Wednesday the 19th, you had URI beat LaSalle, and St. Joe's took down George Washington 72-61. to On Thursday, the lone game, UMass at home upset St. Louis 91-85 to in a high-scoring affair. And for Friday 10, you had St. Bonaventure start out hot and cruise to an eight-point victory over Duquesne 64-56. to On Saturday the 22nd, this past Saturday, you had George Washington upsetting Rhode Island, Davidson, taking down Fordham in the Bronx in a squeaker, 69-66. VCU took care of business against St. Joe's in a 16-point victory. Richmond beat LaSalle by eight. And George Mason upset Dayton at home, 50-49. to And on Sunday, the second half of their doubleheader, basically the way COVID and affected UMass and St. Louis, they rescheduled their game for Sunday. So they played back-to-back games where St. Louis, after getting upset at UMass, they thought that there was no way that was happening again. This time at the Shavitz Arena in St. Louis, they defeated the UMass Minutemen by 31 points, 90 to 59. As we're recording this, it is Monday, January 24th. So tonight's lone game for the A-10 is St. Joseph's going on the road to take on George Mason. George Mason, a team that came off a loss to George Washington in a game where they let up a 11-0 run to lose the game uh, in the final minutes. They went back beat Dayton, a little bounce back for the Patriots as they host St. Joe's now tonight, Monday, the 24th at 7 p.m. Tomorrow night, you have Rhode Island, Richmond, and on ESPN Plus at 7 p.m., you have Dayton playing Fordham, who is playing solid ball. They're definitely not the last team in the conference. They've played a lot of close games against Davidson, and they're playing good basketball. So that's all you got to say about the, the Fordham Rams right now, they haven't won many games. They defeated Duquesne, but that's really not much. Besides that, they're playing competitive basketball, which is good to see them play. Haven't seen that happen in a few years now. On Wednesday night, you have five games. LaSalle hosts UMass. George Mason hosts St. Bonaventure, in which I think should be a sneaky good game. St. Joe's hosts Duquesne. St. Louis hosts George Washington. And number 25, Dayton, uh, Davidson, rather, they are ranked let me know. Number 25, Davidson hosts VCU. And on Friday, you have Uri Dayton. On Saturday, you have number 25, Davidson hosting LaSalle, Duquesne, and St. Louis. St. Bonaventure and St. Joe's are game of the week for the A-10. Richmond and VCU will get into that right after this. And on Sunday, you have UMass hosting George Mason and George Washington hosting Fordham. We'll take a quick 
look at the standings here in the Atlantic 10. Of course, sitting at first place at 6-0 is the number 25 ranked Davidson Wildcats. They've been playing great so far. They're on a 15-game win streak after starting off 1-2 on the year. At 16-2, it looks like they're going to be the team to beat in the Atlantic 10. At 3-1 is St. Bonaventure in second place. BCU and Dayton tied at 4-2. Then you have URI and St. Louis both at 3-2. Richmond at 3-3. George Mason at 1-1. Fordham and George Washington at 2-3. St. Joe's at 2-4. Duquesne at 1-3. And and UMass and LaSalle at 1-5. So that's the look around the A-10 after Davidson, it's really a close matchup, about seven or eight teams, which is what we thought would would happen. And I think the only way you were, uh, or the A-10 gets to at-large is if someone could upset Davidson in the A-10 tournament because I think you're going to have five or six teams, you were included, that are in between 11 and 7 and 13 and 5. I think there's going to be seven, six or seven teams in that slot, and I think URI is going to be one of them. Depending on where they stand, these tiebreakers are going to be massive. So this Richmond game is going to be big, big. The Dayton's game is going to be big. So that's the lookout for the uh, the Atlantic 10 at the moment. We'll take a look at our picks from last week. Let's first take our results. Dayton defeated St. Bonaventure 68-50, and so Colin will get a win. I'll get a loss. Alabama upset LSU 7-67 at home despite blowing a 10-point lead in the final minute. I'll take the victory. Colin will take the loss. We'll, we both pick Kentucky, who defeated Texas A&M by 6, 64-58. We'll both take a loss in the Purdue-Indiana game as the Hoosiers and Mike Woodson wearing his suit did the magic for them, winning 68-65. We'll both take another loss as Michigan State goes on the road and upsets Wisconsin by 12. We'll both take a win in the Auburn-Kentucky game as the Tigers defeated the, the Kentucky Wildcats 80-71, to now the best team in the nation out of the most recent AP poll. And the rubber match between this week was Boise State and San Diego State. Now, this is not a basketball, uh, football score. This is a basketball score. Boise State, despite not scoring from, I think it was 12 minutes to two minutes, they didn't score for 10 straight minutes. They were stuck at 35. Boise State pulled out a 42-37 to 37 victory over the San Diego State Aztecs, getting the road victory to bump my record to 30-18. and 18. And Colin lost his one-game lead, so he's at 30-18 and 18 as well. Tied up. We're always close here coming down the stretch. It's January, late January. We have February and then early March, and that will wrap up our ranking. So really getting the clutch time here, Colin, when it comes to our picks. Let's start with the 8-10 game of the week. As I mentioned before, Richmond hosting VCU on Saturday afternoon. Here goes VCU. I mean, they, they've had kind of a scrappy team this year. They've had a lot thrown at them, but I think they've withstood all of that. I mean, I believe in Richmond, but at the same time, I, I think there's still some flaws with the Spiders. I think they, they kind of got exposed around this time last season, so I'm going to go with VCU to to ride the ship. This one is just who comes up to play basketball. I mean, VCU can beat anyone in the conference if they play well. They also can lose to anyone if they lose if they play like okay. I mean, it's they're very both teams are very hit or miss. You like why they lose LaSalle and then why they just beat Dayton. Like very confusing. They uh and I think the same goes for Richmond, you know. Oh, well, they're taking care of business. They they should have beat Davidson, but they just outshot them, lost by three at a buzzer beater. But this team also lost by 27 at home to St. Joe's. How did that happen? So I think both teams definitely are very shaky and both have something to prove. I like the home Richmond Spiders in this rivalry matchup just because basically they're at home. If it was at the Seagull Center, 
high high chance I pick VCU, but I'm going to go with the Richmond Spiders for our 8-10 game of the week. Looking at our top national games of the week, we got a slate for you listeners, including the Big 12 SEC Challenge, which should be interesting. Our first pick, we have a few on Tuesday, the 25th, number 24, Illinois, host number 10, Michigan State. I'm going to go with Illinois. They're coming off a loss to Purdue in which they played good basketball. Michigan State, I don't know if they're for real. I mean, they went on the road, beat a good Wisconsin team, which no one could do. So give them credit there. But they've been a sneaky good team all year. They don't have my respect yet. If they can go into Champaign, defeat Illinois, I definitely think they'll be on my radar. But I'm going to go with the home Illinois fighting Illini. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you, Gavin. I'll go with Illinois as well. I think Michigan State does have some qualities for, for a good team, but they, they're they still shaky in some aspects. I think Illinois is a little more consistent. Almost beat Purdue in a really great game, but that's a tough place to play. One of the best atmospheres now in college hoops, so I think that kind of propels them here, and they get the win over the Spartans. That game's a 7 p.m. tip. Our other game on Tuesday is an 11 p.m. tip out on the West Coast, number seven, UCLA. Post number three, Arizona. Colin, who's your pick? I know Arizona's getting a lot of hype. I mean, they've, they've gotten up to number three. I, th- I think they, they have a great team overall, but there's still something about UCLA. I mean, the, a team that went to the Final Four last year still have those pieces. I, I still think they're a solid team that that is going to win the Pac-12. So I, I've been all in on UCLA, and um, I'm not stopping now. So riding with the Bruins. Yeah, here's the thing, Colin. UCLA... They've played good basketball. No doubt about that. They're at home. Luckily for Arizona, there will be no fans in attendance because in LA, they can't have college sports and they can't have fans at college events, which stinks, but it's definitely going to help out Arizona, who they've got a great home crowd, but that doesn't matter in this one. But Arizona has just played unbelievable basketball. You don't see them much, especially if if you're a URI fan, you're on the East Coast. You never say it to watch those games, but if you watch some of their games, some of their highlights, they are just a fundamentally sound basketball team. And there's a reason they're ranked number three in the nation. I think number seven, UCLA, has some things to work out. Still, they took a tough loss to use, uh, to Oregon at home with no one in attendance. So I definitely think Arizona has the edge here and will take down the Bruins on Tuesday night. On Wednesday, you got number 21, Xavier, taking on number 17, Providence. Colin, explain your pick to me. Go ahead. Well, okay. I mean, we know we hate PC, okay? But there's no doubt about it. But, I mean, we have to admit at this point, they're, they're a pretty, pretty good basketball team. I mean, we, we saw it firsthand in the URI game where they, they exposed them. I mean, I, I can't stand PC. I want them to lose every game. I'd be happy if I lost this pick, just meaning that they lost. But they are a very good team that that is one of the best in the Big East. And, you know, I we have to admit that. I mean – Bias aside, you have to admit that they overall are a great team and a well-coached team. I I do agree. And and if there's one thing I would rather have, right, I would rather have PC make the tournament and lose first round than have them not make it at all and be bad because it's laughable how they just can't win an NCAA tournament game. So if that's what happens, if if that's what comes out of this whole thing this whole season – I would call it a success as a URI fan. Like, all right, PC, like, oh, they're six in the nation. There's they're a six seed in the Midwest, and they just lost number eleven Iowa State. Like, that would make my day because they literally can't do it. Ed Cooley has shown it to not be able to do it. I mean, he's been able to do it in the Big East. The Big East, he's been able to do it at Madison Square Garden. Just can't do it in the Big Dance. The pressure gets too 
big for him. So I, I, I like that. So I can guess where you're coming from. And I can never pick PC. End of, the, end of the day, when they played UConn, I picked UConn just because of Dan Hurley. I couldn't pick PC. And same goes here. I think Xavier got a lot of hype early on because, let's be honest, no one expected them to be where they are right now, number 21 in the nation. I just think they're hell in a cell. Like John Austin says, Xavier basketball, hell in a cell. You know, I could look back and be like, pride is the devil, right? Because I don't want to pick PC. So I'm picking Xavier. And, you know, at home, they got Uri's old strength coach, Chase, Chase Campbell. So that's all I need to pick Xavier. That's all I need. Give me the Musketeers in a close one, I think, on Wednesday night against the Friars at 6.30 p.m. And then on Saturday, we got three games, two of which are in our national games, are our, our national games of the week. We have number five, Kansas, taking on number 12, Kentucky, and a blue blood blockbuster. Colin, who's your picks? I'll go with Kansas. I mean, I think both these teams – have have had their struggles at some point, but they they overall have have done pretty well this season. I, I don't know what's going to happen with them as closer to you know these difference games, but th- this feels like a huge game. And when you ha- when you have a, a non conference game like this January on a Saturday where it's going to be an insane atmosphere at the Fogdown Fieldhouse, I feel like that sort of makes a difference. Kansas is just a different team there. They rarely lose at home. Kentucky is a great team this year, but there's something about Kansas at home Saturday, big game. I'll go with the Jayhawks. I mean, I'm going to be honest. There's no better home environment than the fog. Allen, Allen Fieldhouse is probably the hardest place to play in all of college basketball. Some would say uh, Cameron Indoor, and I, I, I would, you know, credit where credit is due. I'd probably say uh, that's fair. It's a fair point, but Allen Fieldhouse, it's just extremely tough to play. But when these two teams play, there is fire and fury between the two teams. They always provide a great game. It's never a blowout. And I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of dramatic dramatics in this one on Saturday. I believe Kentucky, they're playing great basketball. I mean, they've been playing great basketball as of late. They just ran into the number one team in the nation in Auburn in a game which they led for 75% of the time. They're up eight. They're up 10 after a Jacob Toppin 360 dunk, but they just couldn't hold on. You know, Auburn's super talented this year. I don't see anyone stopping them in the near future. I believe John Calipari, you know, if there's one guy that can go into Allen Fieldhouse and defeat Kansas, it's John Calipari. So I'm not going to doubt him. Also, they have, you know, the A-Town standouts. You have Jacob Toppin, Kellen Grady from Davidson. You know, a little lenient there, a little bias there. So I'm going to take the Kentucky Wildcats and upset over Kansas. Our last game of the week, uh, number six, Purdue, hosting number 16, Iowa State, Sunday, January 30th. I'm going to go with Purdue. They've been playing good basketball. You know, they did take a loss this past week, but I still believe in them. I still believe in Jaden Ivey, Zach Eady. Uh, Travion Williams, they got the pieces. Ohio State, they've kind of been pretty stagnant. They've been flying under the radar, definitely in the A10, being uh, Big Ten rather, being you know uh, undershadowed. Of course, you know you got you got Purdue, and then you have Michigan State, Wisconsin. They've been playing flying low under the radar. So Ohio State at home or on the road, rather sneaky good team, but I still think Purdue's going to handle their business one by fifteen points. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Purdue, I, I feel like they're they're due for a bounce back after that upset loss at Indiana in that rivalry game, which Indiana is still a really good team in the Big Ten this year, but Purdue is is still head and shoulders above everyone else. I think it's it's them in Wisconsin at this point, maybe Illinois on the outside looking in, but Purdue Purdue is so well balanced that they're, they're a team that, that's going to do some damage come March, and I, I think they have no problem handling the Buckeyes here. 
And then our third game for Saturday will be our mid-major game of the week. It's South Dakota State, who's 17-4, and hosting North Dakota State, who's 12-7. and And A little rivalry action here in the Dakotas. All I need to know is, what is the, what, what's the mascot of the names of the teams? You have the North Dakota State Bison, right? Solid. I'm not going to say not the worst name, not the best name. The South Dakota State Jackrabbits. I mean, that just tells you all you need to. And they're 17-4. And they're just playing good basketball as of late. So give me the Jackrabbits at home against North Dakota State. Yeah, I'm going to agree. They're, they're a perennial contender for a mid-major team. 8-0 in the Summit League atop that conference. They're undefeated in January so far. Beat George Mason and Stephen F. Austin. This is a great team. This is one of the best mid-majors right now. I mean, 17-4. and four, They're a scary good team. I feel like the Summit League always, always has a great team. We saw Oral Roberts last year with that incredible run, maybe at South Dakota state this year. I feel like they get the win. So that's to do it for our picks and our episode. So again, Colin, Rams bouncing off again, uh, after a one in one week, we had two close games against two bad teams, the A 10. We'll see how they bounce back in a big week. I take on Richmond and Dayton. That's going to do it for today's podcast. Stay safe. And as always, roadie, roadie, roadie.